Do the heavens declare the glory of God, or are they the result of Mother Nature? How observations in astronomy support the Bible, today on Creation Magazine Live. The Bible really is true, and it's supported by science and the things we see in the world around us. Keep listening to find out how. I'm Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. On this, uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about astronomy right. and observations that are made, uh, that are made in the heavens. Uh, there are a number of telescopes, ground-based telescopes. Do you know there are about 30 operational telescopes, space telescopes, uh, in operation right now? There have been, there have been many, many in the past. Uh, people are most familiar with the Hubble telescope. Of course, yep. And uh, here's a picture of what the Hubble looks like. Um, and of course, folks are also aware, uh, most people I think are aware, that uh, the Hubble had a flaw initially and th through an amazing uh, space shuttle mission it was repaired. You can see here a picture before the optics repair of Hubble and uh, here's after. Right, you can see quite the difference. Pretty amazing, isn't it? There again, before and there's after. Huge difference there yep. in the repair, but it's through these telescopes that we that we see a, a lot of observations from the heavens. Right, and and absolutely beautiful objects out there in space. Just some amazing shots that we received back. But of course, these um, pictures that we see, the, see the things that we observe, they cause us to ask some questions. Sure. Right? So, uh, how did it begin, and when did it begin? Yes. Where did all that beauty? Where did all those those objects? Where did all those things come from? How? Yep. And when? And to dive into uh, to one of to, to, to these questions, we can we can look at a very interesting image that was uh, actually captured by the Hubble. Right. It was called the Hubble Deep Field Image. The Hubble was pointed at a part of the sky that was empty. Uh, here you can see it's just above the Big Dipper. There, it wasn't pointed at a star, or a galaxy, or anything. It was it was basically empty. And here's the size, that little L you see in the center of the screen there, that's the picture, the size of the picture that was taken. The moon, if we put the moon beside it, that's how big the moon would look. And so you can see that it's a very small section of sky. And here is the image that came back. The Hubble was actually focused on that for a, a very, very long time to collect enough light. Now this is the Hubble deep field image. What you're seeing here, this is... Um, uh, every point of light that you see in the image there is a galaxy of about a hundred million stars. And there's about 3,000 galaxies in that <laughs> image. Just incredible. It's believed to be representative of the entire sky. And if you, we wanted to look at the entire sky, 500,000 of these images would need to would, would be needed to cover the entire sky. So wow. So if you, this is just one little spot from our point of view of what we see in the night sky and and you'd have to have how many 500,000 500 half a million of those images to cover the entire sky. Wow. And, and each one of those images has about 3,000 galaxies, and every one of those galaxies has about 100, 100 million stars. That's amazing. Uh, just incredible. And so again, the question is, how do we explain that? How do those galaxies come to be? Right. Is it the Big Bang? Is it, uh, it, it could, does it fit with the Bible? What does it fit with? Which version right. of history is it, does it fit with? Right. Um, because commonly, people are taught about a Big Bang theory, uh, origin of the universe, right? That's the most common explanation right. nowadays, sure. If you're yep. sitting in a science class somewhere, you're most likely going to encounter that. Of course, the Bible says that uh, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. So that means that it was God who uh, created all things. And so really when we're, we're looking at these images and we're getting taught about you know, the concept of the Big Bang, etc., etc., we need to ask ourselves, 
is the data that we're looking at, is it the only way, is the Big Bang really the only way to explain the data that we see? Because let's face it, we're all right. looking at the same stuff. Yep. Right, we have access to this information. We can look at these, these pictures, et cetera, et cetera. We can do all these uh, experiments, but we're looking at the same bit of data. Why is it always just seems to be you know, one, one way of explaining that one data? One view, yes. Right? Yeah. Because no one saw it created. Right, no one, no one alive today saw it being created. Right. And uh, so which, um, uh, yeah, how do you explain how it got there? Right. And, and is, is the Big Bang the only, as, as you said, is it the only possible explanation? Well, uh, of course not. There could be dozens of different ways of explaining what we're seeing, for example, in the Hubble deep field image. Right, because we're not talking about observational science in the sense that we can repeat an experiment of... Uh, you know, set up an experiment in a lab and, and show something happening, water boiling or uh, gravity, something falling, or something like that. We're making conjecture about what might have happened yeah. in the past. And that question can be asked of just about any other scientific data in any other field having to do with the past. Okay, is, is the Big Bang the only explanation for what we're taking a look at? Yeah, here? you'd certainly get that impression. Uh, reading, reading textbooks on astronomy yeah. and, and uh, watching programs on TV that there, there is no other explanation. Right, that. if you keep hearing the same thing, you must think, well, that's, that's, right. that's the one. Yeah. So we can, let, let's delve into this a little, bit, uh, a little bit more deeply into the Hubble Deep Field Image. Light takes time to get to us. That's a basic, I mean, there's, there's the speed of light. For example, this picture here, the light from the sun, it takes eight minutes to get here. That picture, you're seeing a picture of what the sun looked like eight minutes ago because it takes eight light minutes right. at the speed of light to travel from the sun to the earth. Right. Now, in the Hubble deep field image, the light, and this is according to evolutionists, we'll just use their assumptions for a moment here. According to evolutionists, the light has been on its way for 12 billion years. Well, there we have a problem. Right. The problem is that you cannot get mature galaxies 12 billion years ago. There's not enough time. There's not enough time. Right. The Big Bang apparently happened 13.75, and, and well, look at the accuracy there, wow. Mm. Uh, <laughs> They're very sure this time. Yeah. Uh, 13.75 <laughs> uh, billion years ago. That's not enough time to get the uh, to get mature galaxies. Right now, uh, the this this um, observation has usually been put against creationists because they say, "What? Well, it's like you guys talk about a young uh, creation of the universe, and yet it takes light a long time to travel." And most people think, "Well, that's just that's just creationists' problem, right? That's just." Religious folks' problem that big bangers—they don't have a problem with that, but obviously they do. Yes, yeah, it leads to other uh, other problems as well. But obviously, evolutionary uh, um, astrophysicists and astronomers have recognized this. Here's uh, D. Goldsmith. Uh, he says this leaves an uncomfortably short time for galaxies to form after the origin of the universe itself. Right. So it's uh, it, it, again a problem. And uh, we see other quotes. Um, this is R. Cohen. Uh, title of the article, Mature Before Their Time, for this is from Science News in 2003. It says, in the Big Bang model, the vast majority of the galaxies are relatively late bloomers, taking many billions of years to pack on mass, either by pulling in gas from the surrounding intergalactic medium or merging with neighboring galaxies. The standard model still can't easily account for a large number of mature or massive galaxies in the early universe. So uh, evolutionists know this is a problem. Big bangers are recognizing that this is a problem. This isn't just something we're pulling out of our hats, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right. Yeah, and he, so here's an observation yep. that doesn't fit well with the Big Bang. 
and and we'll we'll talk about others as we as we go on here. Yep. But uh, now, what about creation? I mean, create if we have okay, there there's the Hubble deep field image, right. and we have different interpretations. You have the Big Bang and so on. Well, creation, uh, God created a fully functional universe with mature people, animals, plants, stars, galaxies, and so on, right at the beginning. Well, if you start with that assumption. That's what the Bible says. That's the history that we accept. We right. don't, I mean, the Bible doesn't talk about the millions of years and so on. Um, that fits with the observation that the Hubble made of the, the, the Hubble deep field image, right. that, that amazing image. So it really depends on what, uh, what starting point you're going to go with, <laughs> with, if there's any problem with the observational evidence. That's right. Yeah. Now, um, some Christians, many times I've been out uh, on ministry, of course, and you've received this too. Some Christians say, well, couldn't God have created the universe with the appearance of yes, age. The appearance so of age. The, you know, the, the earth just looks old. You know, I, I've heard things like that. And I say, well, actually, the, look, the earth looks like it's gone, been rung through the ringer. <laughs> so I said, because, of course, we believe in a global flood as described in, in Genesis 6 to 9. What would that have done? You know, would have devastated the earth and right. all the de yeah. rock deposits and stuff like that. So, yeah. But um, we've, we've gotten away from that terminology because the right. appearance of age, even that, that phrase implies deception on God's part. Right. God it, it looks things. old, but it's not. Right. Yeah. We, rather, we're going with this, uh, what we just had here, a fully functional, complete creation. Right. The difference is, it doesn't have the appearance of age. It's fully functional. The, the example that's often given is, okay, Adam at the end of day six goes into a tree, cuts, goes into a forest, cuts down a tree with his chainsaw because yep. he wants to make a campfire for Eve or something. And, and, are are uh, there any tree rings there? You have tree rings. Tree rings are, are a leftover, uh, a sign of an annual variation in seasons, usually. The result of a process. Right. Right. But the tree probably wouldn't have had tree rings. Right. Now, that example doesn't, doesn't work, but you, you get the idea. One is the fully functional tree, no tree rings. Right. The other one has the appearance of age, but it's not really experienced any age. Okay, let's look at another observation. Uh, we're looking at d different observations from the heavens and asking the question, what is a better explanation for those observations? Is that the Big Bang, millions of years that, that we hear in the media and through the school and everywhere right. else, or is the Bible's record of history, rather than the evolutionary record of, of, of history, a better explanation for the observations that astronomers are making. Right. Now let's think about the, uh, the redshift of light from galaxies. If we think of the visible spectrum, um, here's the visible light anyways, and it yep. goes beyond that. At one end, at the high end here, you have this is high frequency, shorter wavelength light, goes up to violet and ultraviolet, and then at the other end you have low frequency, longer right. wavelength light, red or infrared, uh, down below that. Right. So if you uh, get a light wave, right? And uh, you stretch it, uh, uh, it out, its frequency is lowered towards the red. That would be redshift. It's, that's right? a redshift. Yeah, that's what the redshift is. Right. And, uh, and actually astronomers can tell what, what elements the star or, or the galaxy is primarily burning. For example, here's, here's what the spectral lines for hydrogen look like. Right. Hydrogen, when you burn hydrogen, it produces energy or light, if you want to think of it that way, at these frequencies. But what astronomers are seeing in their telescopes is this. There's the spectrum, the hydrogen spectrum, but look, it's been red shifted. Right. Yeah. It's been shifted lower in frequency. Right. And you can also have blue shifts, and uh, um, there, there's an example of what a blue shift would look like, but it's primarily red shift. So the interpretation then is if it's red shifted, it's moving away from us. If it's blue shifted, it's moving towards us. That's one interpretation. It can right. also be because of the stretching of space and, right. and, and so on. But a fundamental principle for the Big Bang is that objects farther away from us 
are more redshifted. Right. And quasars have a massive redshift. Quasars are, are some of the most distant objects. So according to the Big Bang theorists, then they must be some of the, the objects that are the most furthest away from us. Really far away, they have a high redshift. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, um, uh, a number of years ago, a quasar was discovered in a galaxy. So a quasar with an extremely high redshift was discovered in a galaxy with a, a lower redshift. This was discovered in um, 2004 by a team of astronomers and astrophysicists. You can see the picture there. This included Jeffrey Burbage and Alton Harp. Uh, Alton Harp. Um, they published the discovery in the Astrophysical Journal. And uh, you can see another picture here. There's the quasar. And uh, astronomers at first said, no, 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 the quasar is way, way behind the galaxy. Right. So it's not associated with it. But there's evidence, for example, that jet of material that, um, th that the quasar is actually being ejected from this galaxy. So they're connected. They're, they're physically connected. We're not talking about something that's back here and back here. They are actually together. And so that's a, kind of a hard thing to explain then. It's, it's hard. It's a, it's, it, it goes against some, some basic fundamental principles of the Big Bang. Right. It's a, it's a huge problem. You've got a, 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 this very high redshift quasar inside and associated with a low redshift galaxy. Right, so something hard to explain. Now, um, we don't fully have time here, uh, especially on this program right now, to, to go into details on, on what the creationist explanation for that would be. But we just want to point out that there is one. And if you go to creation.com, you can uh, look up an article, uh, creation.com slash bye-bye Big Bang. So it's just bye-bye Big Bang with a dash in between. And there's a, a creation explanation for that um, in that article. Because this is a huge challenge. Uh, we've seen this before from people who are, are, especially in astronomy, they say, well, you young Earth creationists, we just don't know how to you know, explain that. So therefore, um, the Bible can't really be true, et cetera. Even Christians, uh, in right. the sense yes. that they're saying, well, we, we've got to reinterpret Genesis, et cetera, et cetera. Right, yeah. In, in, in this case here with the quasar, the quasar, the redshifts that quasars have seem to be intrinsic to the quasar itself. Right. Where it's, it's something being produced somehow inside the quasar. Uh, which, uh, which throws out everything in the Big Bang. Then it throws out the, the distances that uh, secular astronomers use to try to figure out the size of the universe. Right. It throws out the distribution of galaxies and matter throughout the universe. It, it's, a, it's a fundamental assumption. Fundamental presuppositions about the Big Bang theory. That's this, right. Actually, this observation actually speaks against that. That's right. So again, new discoveries, and uh, that's why we encourage Christians to just trust the Scripture and uh, usually the evidence sorts itself out after a little while. Anyway. Right, yeah. All right, there are some other problems with the Big Bang that we could talk about. Right, people uh, don't often hear about problems with the Big Bang. You ever watch, you know, some of these shows on TV, Discovery Channel, things like that? You don't often hear about all the problems. You usually hear right. about this nice story and it just all works together. Yes, yeah. And in, and in, and in the... Um, <laughs> The, the journals in, in, in the, the scientific magazines and so on, there's a lot of discussion among evolutionary astronomers right. and astrophysicists about problems with the Big Bang. Yep. And there have even been organizations of astrophysicists that have signed papers and say, look, we, we think the Big Bang is a joke. and We need to get a new model, et cetera. One of, the, one of the only reasons it hasn't been turfed already is because there's nothing good to replace it that the evolutionists have. Right. Um, and, I th and I think the simplistic... Um, 
sound, the, the simplistic description, even when you say the Big Bang, now usually people have a wrong idea about what the Big Bang means. Yes, they, yes. they think it's this explosion from the center and it goes In, outward. Into pre-existing space and actually space expanded along and, and with that. And that's not but, what Big Bangers believe. But I, I think a lot of times you talk to people and they really don't know what the Big Bang means, but they just get this idea, okay, there was something that exploded and here we are. That, right. that, I mean, that's sim right. oversimplistic, but yeah. many times. But I mean, if we, if we were to run through it, there's some problems with the Big Bang. Yeah. Um, one of the first problems is you can't get from gas to solid objects like dust. Right. The Big Bang starts and you have, um, you have initially a whole bunch of energy and then they say uh, some hydro, uh, mostly hydrogen, perhaps some helium as well. An expanding cloud of gas will not reverse its expansion and collapse into solid objects. Right. Um, how do you get grains of sand from gas? Gas not inside a container. Right. And, and, and some, uh, uh, some have suggested that, well, you can, if the gas is compressed by a shock wave of, of an exploding star. <laughs> we haven't even got stars yet. What are we talking about? We're not about? talking about having stars or anything. We, we, we it, don't even have... It's just gas. Yeah. <laughs> so that, How do you get any solid objects? We don't even have solid objects yet. We don't have stars or anything like that. It's kind of putting the... Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a big problem. Uh, yeah. Number two, we can think of some other problems. If you could get dust from gas, right. then there's other problems as well. Mm -hmm. so you Is can't it, get dust to planets. How, how so the get, next stage breaks down. Right, how do you, how do you get that, those, that dust to clump together? Because even if you get it to clump together and you get some, I don't know, pebbles or rocks or something like that, and they start banging together, well, they're going to go back into dust. Turn each other back into, into dust. Into dust, which, <laughs> you know, um, so I don't know. Um, you had some, some problems there as well. <laughs> and, uh, and you can't get, uh, for, again, you can't get from dust to planets. Right. Once you, if you could have the dust, and okay, you can't get from dust to planets. Uh, there's a quote here from uh, Martin Harwit. Once these planetesimals, these, these asteroids essentially, right. have been formed, further growth of planets may occur through their gravitational accretion into large bodies. Just how that takes place is not understood. Right. So it might happen. We have no way of knowing how it would happen. Then how do you know it might have happened or it might happen? Right. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a story that, uh, within which they're trying to fit the observations right. from the world I mean, world that's a very interesting quote. It might occur, but how it would occur, we don't, we don't know. know how. But it might. Yeah. It, it's very much... can't even imagine it happening. We don't know how. Conjecture, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, so how do you get from planets to stars? That would be another question to ask. I mean, we needed stars even to get the gas to turn into dust, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, if we start with no stars and so on, right. uh, uh, it's been said that star formation is perhaps the weakest link in the stellar evolution theory. Even if all the other stages worked, and, and they don't, right. and even evolutionists know that, um, uh, evolutionists have commented on this. Uh, here's one quote. Abraham Loeb of Harvard's Center for Astrophysics says... The truth is that we don't understand star formation at a fundamental level. Right. So if I'm sitting there on my couch on a you know Sunday afternoon, and I click on the TV, and they've got a story, and you know da 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 da, and it sounds very persuasive, and they usually use very detailed dates, in in the sense that well you know 13.6 billion yeah, years ago this occurred, there. and you're like yeah. oh wow it sounds so good they must have this down you know and then 4.5 billion years. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's just, this is history. Like I would open up a history book and I would read, well, yeah. you know, Napoleon yeah. and then this and that and then America and, and all this stuff. But really, it's just a story. 
And better to trust the God that was there that wrote the real story of history than just trust sure. um, you know, the fallible opinions of man. Okay, it's time for the In the News segment. What's going on in the news? We've got an interesting story from Chile today. Right, and this was actually covered in our Creation magazine, so we're just going to read it here. An international team announced in October 2011 that they had found fossils of 80 baleen whales buried in the deserts in Chile. In, a des in the desert in Chile. Scientists raced against time to document and excavate the bus-sized fossils before local road construction destroyed the site. The remarkably preserved fossils stunned the researchers who were asking why so many died at once, what buried them so quickly, and why they were so far inland. But if they believed the Bible, they would not be so puzzled. The whales perished late in Noah's flood and were buried in sediments as the waters were retreating. Uh, from the land. For more on this, see creation.com slash whale dash chili. And so that was what was in the news. We reported on it. And um, it, it's interesting that if you keep, you know, a, a lookout, and I do, of course, I, you know, I'll just check the news. I often see stuff like this that so obviously points to uh, the record yes. of the Bible, yeah. the fact that there was a flood. Uh, how would you get, you know, look at the questions. Why, why were there so many of them? How, how, could how they, did they get, how did they get so far inland yeah. and stuff? And, and, and even, even uh, you know, casual Christians who know a little bit about the Bible can answer the question while the world was at one point covered with a global flood. Yeah. Here's, here's another example of, of I mean, we, we've been talking about astronomy. Here's another example of some data. Yep. Fossils found in Chile, far from the ocean today. Right. And... What's the, what's the better interpretation? Yeah. I mean, the, the ocean at one point covered the land. It buried things rapidly, buried these whales rapidly, obviously. Right. Uh, the flood is a, is a really good explanation for that. I mean, as a Christian, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm <laughs> with, with, you know, finding 80 whales, 80 ba these, uh, these, these whales in, way, way inland in Chile that fits with what I believe as a Christian, what, what uh, fits with the Bible. Yeah, I've actually heard uh, skeptics say, well, you know, you guys start with the Bible. So therefore, you're not being scientific because you're already starting starting with a conclusion. So they, you know, we see evidence like this. Well, you guys are just going to say it was the flood. Okay, <laughs> what's what exactly is wrong with that? Because they do really, the same thing. They do the same but, thing. What what they're not but, revealing is the fact that they're playing this game of naturalism, right? Well, this had to happen naturally somehow. God is not involved. Uh, many times you'll hear you know atheists and evolutionists just well. There is no God, so we're going to have to make this data fit with some kind of natural conclusion. It doesn't matter what the evidence points to. It doesn't matter that you can have three chapters in Genesis devoted to one year of earth history that would completely explain this physical evidence. That's, we're, just, we're not going to consider that, and we're only going to play our game here of naturalism. And, right. uh, and you guys, by the way, are unscientific because you don't do what we do. Well, it's kind of like saying, this is my bat and my ball, and if you don't play by my rules... I'm going home. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, you know, and and they and they oftentimes paint themselves into a corner instead of saying you know let's really think of where is this evidence leading. Right. Uh, does it in 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 many cases it leads to the conclusion that there must be an intelligent designer, but that is that conclusion is censored out from the very beginning. Right. They don't even or even it, that the Bible contain, contains true history. That's right. Yeah. Because really. Uh, who's being more scientific? The creationist says there may be a naturalistic explanation for 
certain processes, certain things we yeah, see. But and we're open to... Supernatural. Yes. But if you've already censored out supernatural, then you're censoring out one possible explanation, which means, ultimately, you're not being as scientific as you should be. See you next time. Today's episode was originally formatted for broadcast TV and is available online at the links in the podcast show notes. Both are produced by Creation Ministries International, publishers of Creation Magazine. For more information for the accuracy of the Bible, visit creation.com. You can also donate to the ministry at creation.com donate. And thanks for listening.